Today's episode of Poets at War is sponsored by the following. Hello, I'm Sarah Levesque, Editor-in-Chief of Logo Sophia Magazine. I would like to invite you to explore our Pilgrim's Journal of Life, Love, and Literature, both in visual format and in podcast format. Our goal is to help bridge the gaps between different Christian denominations and traditions. Please visit our website at logosophiamag.com to read or listen to stories, articles, poetry, and more, all for free. We look forward to journeying with you. Today on Poets at War, we speak once again with the editor-in-chief of Logosophia magazine, Sarah Levesque, about childish versus childlike. Join us in the trenches. This is Poets at War! If you can see that kind of sort of is a not really, but that's okay. Yeah, it's a it's a green. Uh, technically, it's a longhorn, but it's supposed to be an Arox from uh, uh, the Song of Albion trilogy, Stephen Lawhead. So, nice. yep. <clears throat> Don't know if you've read that one, but I've mentioned it many times. So, you've mentioned it. I've put it on my my wish list. Cool, but cool. It, it hasn't made it to my house. And I'm not talking about this without, oh, I know, right? Like big time right now. You can't just put $30 down on a book that I'm not going to read anytime soon because I have no time. Because that's, you know, at least three quarters of a gallon of gas. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I am, I'm your, your instrumental wall with an eye of jealousy. Oh yeah. My instruments and stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I still have random other instruments that I want and want to play with, but still can't get those either. So, you know, but, um, are expensive. yeah, they're even more expensive. It's crazy, but I'm not talking about this without any sort of not purpose. Cause you know, me, I'm running the show. Now I always just pick a random spot to jump in. Um, mm-hmm. you've been on here before, you know, the deal, like, all these thingamajobbers yeah, in my office. I didn't office. know you were recording video. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, I knew you were recording audio, obviously, but I didn't know you were recording video. And I was like, I realized it after you posted. And I was like, I could have done so much better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we've got, um, it's so funny to me. Um, like I specifically was looking at all this stuff recently and thinking to myself, this is the perfect setup for segueing into our topic that you really wanted to talk about, you know, childish versus childlike. I mean, I literally have a doll of Dwight over there on the wall. I think I can turn it to where you can see it. He's, he's hanging out in a mug, right? Uh, there. I love it. Yeah. Yes, I can see him. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out in Michael's world's best boss, uh, world's best boss mug. Um, I don't know just, what he would think about that. <laughs> I know, right? It's kind of an odd thing, but you know, I, 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 I have toys, but they're like I didn't buy any of them. People just buy me toys because they assume, you know, I'm that kind of person, <laughs> and I'm really actually not. I'm kind of more minimalist in that way. But when the people give them to me, I can't get rid of them either. You know, you know what I mean? And so it's it's I one mean, of those yeah. Um, thanks to a conversation I had with students, they wanted a class pet. Mm-hmm. And I said in in different terms, it wasn't in such kind terms, but I basically said, you can have a pet rock. <laughs> you now have three pet rocks and a chunk of asphalt. <laughs> Oh, hanging out on top of the shelf because i can't i don't know what to do with three pet rocks and a chunk of asphalt that were given to me by my high school students mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's <laughs> funny but yeah so like why don't you introduce the idea of our topic you said you wanted to talk on what 
Um, childish versus childlike. Because mm-hmm. Christ calls us to be childlike. And in our society today, we see so many people who are childish. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same at all. Right. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. You know, um, the way that I look at this, and and I'd love to see you cut into this if you disagree or, you know, really like talk with me about this. But the way I've always kind of set it apart is pretty simple. One is... Uh, a child, childish is uh, acting and, and, and like both of them involve liking things that a child likes, mm-hmm. but for completely different reasons. Um, a person who is childish will like childlike or, or, or like things that a child likes because they do not have the maturity to like things that are not something that a child likes. Whereas a person who is childlike, tends to like the things that a child likes because they have tasted the things of an adult and found them less than satisfying. Interesting. I can't say I thought about it like that. Um, hmm. Interesting thought. My kind of definition, my line between the two is of course they both, as you said, enjoy what children enjoy. But for my, my differentiation, child, childish is lacking a sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's Whereas part of it, yeah. childlike is realize, like still meeting their responsibilities, mm-hmm. but being able to relax and do things that are just fun. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I'm actually not very good at is relaxing and doing stuff just for fun. You know, I'm always trying to turn it into a next business endeavor or this, that, or the other. And people will tell me just, just chill out and enjoy oh, come the on. moment. You've got to sit like, down on the floor sometimes. You got to yeah, sit down uh, on the floor sometimes. And my knees are really bad, Sarah. I'm just saying. <laughs> you never let Hazel like play on the floor with you? No, I, I I do. I'm just I'm playing. No, it does it does happen, but it's one of those things that I am not particularly good at, and it's not that I'm good not good at it. I'm not good at dancing. It's not that. I'm saying like <laughs> I know it's not a good thing, and it's something that I'm constantly trying to work on in my in and of myself, <laughs> um, trying to be able to have the spontaneity to do things without a um, utilitarian purpose on the other end. Right. Which makes a whole lot of sense because not only are you a very busy person like myself, uh, we have both grown up at least tangentially to our society, which has this weird, um, this weird, hypocritical idea that everything you do must produce something mm-hmm. unless like i i don't even understand how this works because it's somehow both you have to do everything and be productive and you can do nothing and it's 100 percent okay are you familiar with the uh heresy of gnosticism uh yes okay a lot of this comes back to various uh, Gnostic and neo-Gnostic ideas. Um, I have I've done a deep dive into this particular field of study because I'd like to know why the world is the way it is and how we got here so we can look at how to get out. One of the biggest things that I have found is Gnosticism. Uh, there's a form of Gnostic Christianity today um, especially in Protestant circles, although it, it falls into uh, Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman, Roman Catholicism. It's this idea that um, we have a special knowledge of Christ that saves us, right? There's something mm-hmm. in our brains that clicks a switch logically, and that is what saves us in some kind of crazy way. Now, we have a little bit of a different, like, categories of justification and sanctification are more of a Protestant thing, you know, and and we've talked about that kind of thing before, but what really comes back down to is if God wants you saved, you're saved. 
because he's sovereign. And you're not going to be able to kick against that over time. C.S. Lewis wasn't able to kick against that over time. The sanctification of God took hold of him and made him who he was supposed to be. Right? This is something that God works through time and space. He changes our hearts, right? To want him more. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just want to draw the line between that idea and predestination. I don't because I'm Calvinist, but that's all other thing. <laughs> but but yeah. well, as, as a Catholic, I was listening to your podcast with um, I think it was Phil Lawler that what you were yeah. um, basically talking about predestination, but I don't think you use the word. And I'm just kind of sitting in my car driving along, like <laughs> <laughs> kind of getting annoyed because, like, I get it. You're you're both. You're both Protestant, you're both Calvinist, whatever. And I, I get that there's a difference here, but I'm just kind of sitting there in my car, not quite seething, but, but getting Oh, there. yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I totally get. I, I Believe me, I understand the both the Protestant and the Catholic. The Catholic Arminian perspective tends to be a little bit more nuanced, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But the but the I totally get and understand more Arminian type perspectives. I really do, and I understand why people have a problem with it. But when I start talking about Calvinism and predestination, uh, particularly the kind that Paul uses the word predestination that we get our, we get the word predestination from in the original texts um what w- is being referred to is not uh in any way taking away from the agency of a human being it is placing it within time and space which were created by god in the first place so it's saying that we sure. have a completely different uh state of agency than could ever be conceived of because God lives in a completely different existence than we do. Right. Okay. And and, and so that, that, that's a whole other, you know, you know, and I don't mean to derail completely here, but you know, this is important stuff and you and I haven't had this particular conversation before, I don't think, but um, I tend to try to kind of blow past this and get, try to get to the middle ground, but I just want to be clear to you (laughs) that Human agency, this is the way I look at it. You know, every, every, anytime anyone does a, a, uh, Trinity, um, what do you call it? Uh, metaphor, it borders or even falls into heresy, right? Like it's a, it's a thing. The, the Trinity is, you can't, can't, yeah, exactly. The closest I have, the closest I have ever come. And I always, I always preface it with this because I don't want people to fall into heresy on any side, you know, um, Mm -hmm. is uh, Christ, uh, excuse me, the father as the author, right? We know that by extension through Christ in Hebrews, he's the author and finisher of our faith. We have this author, this creator God who created the whole thing. Then we have the son, we have Christ. He is the protagonist of this entire story. He is the one by whom, through whom, to whom is everything. He is the one the story is actually about. Okay. And then we have the Holy Spirit who is the narrator or the narrator's voice in the story. The narrator Mm -hmm. actually interacts with the individual characters and gives them pieces of their life in a meta fashion. He, he, he actually weaves in and out through the world in a way that is uh, a special and unique, but is not the author, like the blood in the terms of an author situation, the blood and bones person that's actually putting ink to page. Right. And he's not the protagonist, but the, author wrote himself into that protagonist role as a human being in the pages of the paper. In other words, he took the ink and the paper and made himself right. Mm -hmm. And so the ink and the paper representing, of course, corporeal existence, et cetera, et cetera. And by, by, I use a a similar example for my students. Yeah. And so when you actually, when, when, when you take predestination into account, there are characters that God has made, and you know this as well as anybody being a writer, that you cannot make this character do something. You could, but that breaks the character, 
right? Mm -hmm. God is not going to make this weird dwarven warrior bard poet person uh, go and sit in a business meeting in a suit for 13 hours at a time. He's just not going to let that happen because it breaks Mm -hmm. the character that he made. And he is pleased by this character. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's when, when I talk about predestination, I'm talking about the fact that God through salvation is changing a character from a villain to a subhero. Right. Mm -hmm. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It's just easy, particularly for people who are less um, educated, Gnostic, shall we say, than you are, <laughs> um, that it's easy just to think, okay, predestination, that means I have no choice in anything. Right. It is. And uh, because technically that's what the word sounds like. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's come um, so to sound like it, that because we have this Gnostic idea uh, from from the beginning of what those things mean, what it means for God to be sovereign. We don't have a place in our mind for the fact that he is pleased in his own work the same way that he has caused an author to be pleased in their own work. You know, we, we don't have categories. Okay. for. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm recording right now. It's okay. You're fine. You can do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was just saying like th- we don't have categories for this anymore because we've we've launched into this idea that we have this personal salvation through Christ and that that that's it. That's all. That's the only covenant here that matters in any kind of way is this 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 idea of myself acquiescing to the knowledge some kind of saving secret knowledge of who Jesus is. You see what I'm saying? And and, yeah. and now I'm in on the secret and I'll punch my ticket baby. Like that's what <laughs> our culture has taken it to instead of no you were a character who was broken by a plot device that entered into the world. And now you are being restored by the protagonist. Take your time. Sorry, I was, usually I'm the last one here, but apparently not today. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. No big deal. No big deal. But yeah, you're following what I'm saying. Uh, mostly. Every so often I get it's okay. You know. let, let me let me sum up. Two people Basic- came in in one. Yeah. Two people ahead. came in in the two minutes, and I was completely unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So the thing that I to sum up what I'm trying to say, we have uh, taken a word that has existed before these notions of puppeteering <laughs> have become mm-hmm. their their connotation. And so I don't have a problem using them in order to have conversations like this, Mm -hmm. in order to facilitate conversations like this. It is something that is provocative. It, it, it gets, it gets in people's minds and whatever else, but this was not the intentions Paul was using when he spoke of predestination. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, no Arminian that I have ever talked to, no matter how much they say Calvinism's heresy, oh, Calvinism, oh, we killed servitudes, you know, that kind of a thing. Like, no matter how much they go into all that, I have never met one that when I explained it to you like this, even with more layman's terms, that they didn't go, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've never had one yeah. that actually was a full Pelagian. You know, who, who actually believed, who actually, or, or, or an open theist. I've had open theists go back on what they believed because I explained it this way. They were like, well, no, that makes more sense. (laughs) So yeah, I, I don't mean to, to, to sizzle your pancakes here, right? Like <laughs> I'm not here trying to rile people up with predestination. I'm trying to have conversations like this, and that's really valuable for this podcast. Thanks for bringing that up. But yeah, yeah. 
You want to get us back on topic? Sizzling pancakes lady. <laughs> you you <laughs> southern people and your weird your weird phrases. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something more normal, but you know, this is what happens. We can, this is why we can't have nice things. These are not things we say in the north. We don't think of things like this. <laughs> But it is fun to use language in unexpected ways. And in a sense, you could say it's childish because um, what do children do with language? They explore. Mm. They use it incorrectly. Yep. They tell the same stupid joke over and over and over again. <laughs> Hazel is amazing because she tries to use a lot of the words that I use for work like, you know, download and the internet and, you know, all these sorts of things. And she is starting to get concepts of how certain things work. Like what she knows what a hard drive is and she has that concept, but before she thought of what a hard drive is as being another version of the internet, like essentially she, she said, is the heart, is the hard drive working today? Is the internet working today? And she thinks of it as like a service. I'm like, the hard drive's always going to work until it doesn't because it's right here in the room with us as, as opposed to the internet, you know, and I had to explain that to her for streaming purposes, you know, for, for watching movies and things. And so, um, but yeah, like I I'm right there with you, like using language in that way is uh, childish versus childlike. I think what I just did was childlike because I had a concept. I had an abstract concept that I threw out at you and I needed placeholders. And I'm like, what sounds fun? Sizzling pancake. I mean, <laughs> you didn't neglect your responsibilities by doing it. So I think it's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. I am a huge, a really big on um, using random utterances myself to mm -hmm. do random things because despite the fact that i'm a verbal processor my words don't always come out the way i want them to right and part of it might have to do with my dad recently my dad and i were working on a project over uh, school break and i realized i don't think this is the first time i realized it but i tend to forget it when i don't mm -hmm. hang out with him much he works second shift i work first shift we don't get to see each other much right um but I'd be handing him tools or he would need a tool handing and go, give me the red one. Mm -hmm. The red what? <laughs> okay. Give me the yellow one. Okay. This is the only yellow thing. All right. Give me the black one. There's two black ones. Mm -hmm. He just, he doesn't use nouns. Right. It's he all says adjectives. that one or the thing or the doohickey. And it's like, what? <laughs> Give me a noun. <laughs> right, right. So I, I come by it somewhat naturally, but I've also been known just to insert random noises when I can't think of um, the proper word. I just come up with some onomatopoeic kind of noise. Yeah, and generally yeah. speaking, mm -hmm. it works because conversation isn't about words. Conversation is about ideas and communicating them. Mm -hmm. But it's right. fun. <laughs> So, um, I'll definitely, especially when texting with certain friends, because texting, you, you've got a little more time um, to work out some words. And I'll, I'll use some different verbiage sometimes to kind of play with things and, you know, harken back to old older English and Shakespeare and yes. stuff and just like yes. throw out my, my vocabulary there. Right, right. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah. fun and it's part of beautifying the world. I, I find, you know, um, <laughs> using real punctuation in your texts, just random things like that. You know, it makes <laughs> it makes the world uh, a better place, quite frankly. That's why I like I've shown you screenshots before and you guys have always commented in the brood on my um, my choice of font on my phone, the Blackmore font. Um, right. and, and it's just little things like that, that just make things a little bit sweeter in my opinion, you know, it's less. Yeah. Well, that's the, the, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. There's something about being childlike that is chock full of the good and the true and the beautiful because children are, 
Generally speaking, unless something horrible has happened to them, children are themselves full of the good and the true and the beautiful. Mm-hmm. So at least at least they are they are drawn they are drawn more clearly and less inebriatedly to the good, the true, and the beautiful. Um, yeah. I think I think even I think that, yeah. Well, I mean, even in Peter Pan, you know, which is one of the big fictional texts that people refer to for um mm-hmm. this this phenomenon the boys are also at the same time completely savage and will stab you in the back because you took their pudding pop you know what i'm saying <laughs> and and so yeah. there, there's this there's this real brokenness there that mm-hmm. you know we can point back to and go that's original sin you know that's the thing that well, everyone has also- to overcome it's also the point that they have experienced this trauma of they are being raised by themselves. They are raising yeah. themselves. Right. If you can count it being raised, they're not actually growing. Right. So right. Yeah. that's iffy in and of itself because there's no room for growth there. But they do have that trauma, which does complicate things that they do not have a mother and a father who are supporting them. Right. And that's one of the reasons it's so important for children to be raised by parents is because mm-hmm. we're to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as us Presbyterians would say, um, and others too, like it's this concept of being, uh, raised up in the covenant, in the covenant of God, you are, you are being raised as a Christian, as a cultural Christian. Now, whether or not God regenerates you is his business, right? That, that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. But we raise them in the hope of their salvation and of the salvation right. that God promised to generations of faithful Christians. Right. Are you, call, are you calling God a liar? Like, you know, <laughs> let's be real here, right? Yeah. This, that is, it's just so important that that happens. Because otherwise you do get those, those Peter Pan characters that, Mm -hmm. that their lives just, they're not what they should be Mm -hmm. because it's so much harder for them to see the good, the true and the beautiful, Mm -hmm. but even so they can still catch glimpses of it Yep, because children as complex as they are, they have a simplicity to them. Generally speaking, small children. Yes. Um, there's no bull crap. There just isn't, you know, I feel like that helps them grasp at the good, the true and the beautiful, because these are also very complex, but concepts that are so simple at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why do all little boys like dragons and cars and, you know, all these sorts of things it's because it's because they are, you know, it's not just because they are aesthetically cool. It is because Mm -hmm. they realize that that is an application of power that is very real and very good. It can be used for great good. It can be used for great good for themselves and for others. And it can be, uh, uh, you know, they can see that working and making the world a better place. Like, so that's why they're into like the service vehicles in particular, not just because they can recognize, okay, that's a service vehicle. Otherwise it would just be, that's my favorite color car, which they do as well, but less so, right? Like they, they go firefighter. Those are heroes. Those are guys going and fighting things that I can't even imagine to mm-hmm. fighting a fire right i'm i'm fi- I mean, I have a little boy five years old and i'm just like that is that is that is someone who is closer to christ than me as a hero even though usually they're not thinking that far no <laughs> but they are in a they have that impression yes they have that impression and they're slowly beginning to follow that trail and they might just get a little ways out totally helps it. it totally helps that emergency vehicles make a lot more noise <laughs> Of course, but I was talking garbage <laughs> trucks too. And I mean, yeah, they make noise, but it's not, the, it's not the same kind of like recognizable sound, right? Like right. Uh, w- with, with, with a garbage vehicle, they love the fact that they take away the garbage. They make things clean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the fact is all of these little, like, like you said, they don't think about it too deeply, but their inclinations are to, th- are to go 
and realize this has great effect elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like they, they start down that path. They toddle down that path and they start looking up and seeing the metaphorical stained glass windows that are in this world because of the garbage man. You know what I'm saying? The yeah, world is a it, cleaner it, place because of the garbage man. <laughs> it is. Well, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> if done right. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, the, the actually, the reason why I thought about this at all was I had totally been binging on Poets at War mm-hmm. and I was at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So I did the grocery shopping. Okay. I got my responsibilities done. Check. Now, our, um, the parking lot of our grocery store mm-hmm. is a very slight grade to it. Yeah. And being a small person, it is totally feasible for me to step onto the bottom of the grocery cart and just like skateboard down on the grocery cart. I've done this many times fun. as a 300 pound <laughs> man. I have done this many times. Because <laughs> it's fun. And why not? It's weird that our, our this culture that we live in, it thinks that having fun is bad yeah but also you need to be having fun at all times yes exactly <laughs> in one of those crazy but also not fun that has but all, but also not fun that has expense at other people's or, or not fun at other people's expense but also if they consent it's fine right <laughs> there's so much contradiction <laughs> <laughs> so much contradiction mm-hmm. so is co- this is what what got me down this wormhole of, i just rode down the the little grade to my car on the yeah. grocery cart like this is fun why don't people do this i never see people doing this because people are afraid of being embarrassed yeah and it's not even because just being embarrassed they're afraid of what other people will think they think exactly. that somehow those They're thoughts afraid. entering someone else's head and having some kind of view of them is somehow going to destroy, I don't know what, you know, just. I have no idea. I mean, the closest guess I have is like destroying your reputation. Not a, my reputation's been destroyed by way worse than going down. <laughs> but right? it, but it's it's been destroyed in one sense and it's been solidified in another. Like exactly. I, I I know that there's the only people in a corporate setting that are going to want me are the ones who don't like corporate settings. There you go. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. and people who think that the corporate setting is is weird and messed up. There are, there are even people who, you know, the current corporate setting is starting to move more toward the Google model, right? Um, toward the idea of there's a daycare in the other room. There's also just, you know, uh, there's slides and fun stuff and things to help you relax during your day. And they're going more toward the fun aspect of things to try and yes good in one sense but in the other it's fake and that's the thing and it's insincere that's the other part like you can totally Mm -hmm. create all that but if you're doing it for the express utilitarian purpose of making sure that you know those tps reports come in (laughs) instead of you're actually caring about your people that is a problem. You do need to care about your people. Right. And so my issue is how can you care about a person if you, be- if you can't even define one when it's being killed in the womb? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, how can you yeah. really truly care about another human individual if you cannot even say that that is a human individual? Mm hmm. We've been discussing this in my classes recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's as much as I'm going to say on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's crazy. 
our society is just absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they are. They are. And like I said, a lot of it comes back to not just in the church, although that's where it really hits home. Uh, but we have this idea that there's some secret knowledge that's going to make us happy. You know, even the seculars people have this. Everyone's yeah. searching. Everyone's looking for that special thing that's a special answer that's going to click. That's what all of our manipulation marketing is ba- based off of. That's what, mm-hmm. you know, everyone who is telling a story on a grand corporate level where they're actually making money, you know, hand over fist, they're doing it based on false promises of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, who, which, which is, is Spider-Man uh, Toby Maguire really going to be in the new Spider-Man movie? Yes, he is, Virginia. There is a Spider-Man, right? Like th- this I saw is- it the other day. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I saw that uh, just the other day, and I wasn't sure when you asked the question if you, like, want, like if it was a question you Rhetorical actually wanted question. to know the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. No, but my point is, what, how did they sell that movie? It wasn't. What is the what what is the moral quandary that Peter Parker in the MCU is going, you know, the 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 Tom Holland one is going through? Um, and and how is he gonna get through it like most you know Spider-Man before have been? How did they do it? They sold it through, oh my goodness, you see Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina in the trailer. Could that possibly mean that Toby and or Andrew are back? Right? Yeah. That's how they sold the movie. They sold it based on secret knowledge, right? Everyone's selling things in this world. Yeah, they're selling it based on secret knowledge. It's this idea that there's something in this world just around the corner, and I know where it is, and I can give you that information, you know, yeah. guy trench coat in the alley here, have a watch, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's this slimy yes. shady Gnosticism that, that people are peddling it, on every level. It is. Now that you say that you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about it before, but it's, oh, your life will be better. If you have this, your life you will, will be, be better. If, if you're you transsexual, your life will be better if you are more self-actualized in whatever it is you are and what you are because you like anime is a furry. You know what I'm saying? Like it <laughs> This but is it's yeah. so contrary to the truth. Oh, yeah. Because the truth is right in front of everybody. But they don't happiness want truth, they want happiness. You, happiness is when you slow down and you enjoy what you have. Right. Happiness is playing tag with three little kids right <laughs> and see on a playground they know this and but they you don't really fit very well it. and they know this and they were unfulfilled ultimately by it and they have rejected christ because the church burned them right well, and so that, which yeah. is can be part of it but there's also the fact that Society has also been feeding them the idea that we need to be entertained. Yeah. If we are not being entertained. And I, pink-haired feminist, need to be completely unique in my own individual. Because that, yeah. (laughs) She said in an Uh, army of pink-haired feminists. (laughs) Right? But it's that idea that we need to be entertained rather than entertaining ourselves which comes back to the i guess an idea it's not quite what i'm going for but i'm going to use it anyway Mm -hmm. that we're not allowed to be bored yeah yeah but from boredom comes so much yeah. From boredom, you, you've talked to this before. Yeah. Um, but from boredom, you get your ideas, you get mm-hmm. your art, whatever that may be, whether it's um, drawing sorts of art or writing sorts of art or creating whatever it is, you don't tend typically come up with that unless you have space to think. Well, and most Which, people, yeah. In fact, another point mm-hmm. that in order to have that space to think we need our leisure time 
But as adults, we tend to have very little leisure time because we are either too busy trying to keep a roof over our heads mm-hmm. or trying t- to juggle all the 4,700 things that God has given us to juggle. Mm-hmm. That'd be me. Or um, we are working under that lie that everything needs to be productive and we don't right. give ourselves that leisure time. And even children aren't given that leisure time. They're given a screen right. or they're given three sports. Which a screen can be productive depending on what they're doing. I it just want to point be, that but out. But it can also, <laughs> it can, it's more often than not used for less than productive things. I if would, the child is the one yeah. deciding. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. Cause children are always going to choose candy over filet mignon. So, right. but, but the, but they also don't aren't, and this isn't true across the board. It's in generalization. And I'm aware of right, right, dangerous right. generalizations. Right. But I would say in our culture today, it's become so common that parents are under the impression that their child has to be in three different activities oh, in yeah. order yeah. to yeah. get ahead or to stay. I don't even know what the logic off the is. the streets, Sarah. They got to stay off the streets. Keep them off the streets. Like, keep him... Keep him so that he's even with Johnny down the street. Mm-hmm. Like as if there's some sort of competition. Like my kid mm-hmm. can do more things than your kid. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to my homeschooled self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing that I got like going on. How, right now. how are you supposed to function as a child? If your entire day is going to school, being shuttled from activity to activity, whether it's yours or your brother's or your sister's, and then trying to squeeze in homework somewhere and then going to bed and somehow squeezing dinner in somehow, probably fast food or not a family dinner. So I have, I have both ends of this problem at parties in particular. Mm-hmm. At, let's say you just have a random birthday party. Someone brought some games, you know, yep. board games or whatever. And, you know, you got your friends there. There's food, there might even be a little bit of music. Some people may have the idea that they want to dance later, but generally the whole crowd kind of doesn't really feel that, you know, whatever. And they may just do their little homeschool swing dance and whatever else. I come into one of those situations and I am completely, even as an extrovert, and especially as an extrovert, completely shut down because everyone at that party thinks that they need to be doing one of these activities that has been laid out before them. Everyone has this. I think I've ever been to one of those parties, but I don't think I have because (laughs) my friends are so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. But like, okay. So there's, there's people who will go and they'll, they'll say they'll, they'll basically give you an itinerary for your entire night as a guest. Right. Oh there, there, there's the people who will do that. And that's that's a problem in and of itself. But then there's also the people who will go and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just kind of throw some stuff out there and you're you have no clue what you're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. And those tend to go better, but it's just because of the apathy of the people. Um you know, it's just kind of like things happen, but we're together. Yay. You know, um, but <laughs> an <introvert> party. <laughs> my, you know, being a DJ growing up in the DJ business, like my father and I knew a, we were hired to make surprise to, to create surprises that would delight the guests and ha- let them spontaneously themselves discover a good time and this this is something that like knowing the inner workings of how this happens when i go to a party where people just set out some games you can talk you can dance if you really want to there's food let's just hang out man like i at one one side of me wants to be like Okay, let's you know, let's conspire and create some kind of fun surprise. 
and no one else wants to do it with me. So I'm left alone to my own devices. And if I do something, I feel like some kind of like, look at me, it's my party all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and I don't want to do that. And then on the other end, it's like, eh, and this is just like the psychology, the psychology of having fun that I'm getting back toward. Right. Mm-hmm. People do all these activities because they don't know how to be comfortable in the process of discovering something fun. Okay. Yeah. I I would agree with that. People don't like the unknown. Yeah. And in order to, they do like the unknown if it's teased properly. Yeah. They do like the unknown if it's teased properly. If if you're going with this Gnostic knowledge thing, Right. If you're going with this Gnostic knowledge thing and it's like the the next five special things that you can take to eat whatever junk food you want and lose weight. Yes, but I can just put some money on that. I don't have to do anything. Right. Exactly. I, it asks nothing of you. It asks nothing of you stepping out of your own comfort zone into the conga line, going back to the party. Right. It it asks, it asks nothing of you in that regard. Meanwhile, You know, uh, one of the main things that we would do, especially at the kids parties, that would that would just be one of the best things of the event. And people would rant and rave about it, how much they loved it years and years beyond. We would have like the whole time kids would be dancing and we'd be giving out like a prize after after the next song prize after the next song, you know, and they were little inflatable like microphones and guitars and it was fun. And we were looking for kids who were having fun and trying to follow along their as best as they possibly could. Even if they weren't great, like they get a prize because of their enthusiasm. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is all great having fun. And the parents are watching. They're like, Oh, my kids are going to sleep great tonight. This is going to be good. <laughs> I watched it hundreds hundreds of times and then we come to the last big event before the grand finale which we've told them we're watching for this giant inflatable microphone that we're going to give to the kid who danced the hardest the whole time right but the 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 surprise second main event before that right we say oh guess what we have another giant microphone trick is your parents or the adult that brought you has to win it for you. So go get them right now. (laughs) And it is the most beautiful thing because they've watched for about 30, 45 minutes. They know how this game is played. They know how, you know, this, this goes Uh and they know that this is akin to the grand prize being given out and they can win it for their child. Like all the pressure is on. And some people hate us at that point, but after the next five minutes of going from the 1950s up to the 2010s, when we was right around when our medley ended, um, Uh Like this, this five minute medley that they have to work for, they have to sweat, right? Like after they're done with that, their blood is pumping. They're feeling so good. They've been screaming and having fun and trying to win this microphone. And even if they don't win it, they know that they tried their best for their kid and their kid is proud of them, Mm -hmm. right? Not just you proud of your kid, your kid is proud of you. What we did, all that we did is facilitate that journey for the guest. They're the ones who discovered all the joy and 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 amazing emotions along the way. And it was asked of them up front. There's a little bit of hardship here, et cetera, et cetera. But we gave them something amazing. Yeah. And and, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know why I got off on the tangent, but it fits with our theme, you know? It absolutely does. Because part of, of actually, I would say a big component of having fun is just relaxing, being yourself and not being, not caring what the people around you think. Right. Right. And not being some fake put on version of yourself where you're, you know, dropping da- sandbag in a league to play against the females because you're transgender. Right. Like <laughs> that's not being yourself. Right. That's right. that's that's lying about who you feel like you are inside. We're not talking about that. 
I know that I am an overweight dad with horrible jokes and okay <laughs> stories that can, you know, I, I have this fascination with warrior bards and poetry and whatever else. And it's nerdy as heck. I know it is, you know, but like, this is who I am. This actually is. And it's more so than that. Christ is who I am. He's the one who chose this guy and gave me these desires. And if you have a problem with the desires that he has given me, take it up with the Bible. If the Bible has nothing bad to say about it, you shouldn't either, buddy. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But go ahead. I didn't have anything specific to say after that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's definitely interesting how we as humans not like you and i but just in general as humans we find it so difficult to just be ourselves and not worry about what other people think about us mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's a I, I would guess that's a cultural thing rather than a uh, like a general human thing. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sure original sin factors in heavily. And there's positive I, peer pressure too. Don't act like it's all negatives, you know? Um, right. But the fact that people are pressured by people that aren't even pressuring them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's where it gets crazy in my head. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. I felt it. I've done it. Um, mm -hmm. I certainly felt awkward, but I can't tell you how many people who have told me, oh, I don't like dancing. I'm like, well, okay, why don't you like dancing? Because mm -hmm. you're crazy. Yep. Um, That's why I've come to love like, the brood I, so I much. I feel awkward. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, but then you just keep dancing anyway. And then after you do that enough times, you'll stop feeling awkward because either you'll know what you're doing mm -hmm. or you won't think and care. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I've loved the brood so much late in particular recently. Um, you know, because we all have ways that we even rub each other wrong at times, mm -hmm. but the fact is the people who are there, we have, you know, and this isn't just me, like Ian's, uh, helped with this and you've helped with this, but we have antique and TK we've had this, um, whole culture there of understanding that is actually genuine and we're not afraid to have discussions like we just did with predestination and whatever else yeah we're not afraid of what we believe we're not afraid of what other people believe mm -hmm. and we're not afraid to let our weird humor out exactly <laughs> michael bush is such a huge blessing in that regard he really is you know sometimes he can rub people the wrong way with his humor um and i've even had conversations with people half the time right right you see even you you don't even get it half the time but like uh, i do and i can vouch for his character and you know he's just an amazing amazing guy um and and there's so many different people like that in the brood stephanie florentino and and you know if anyone wants to join the brood anyone who's been uh, who's an alumni can absolutely join of this podcast can absolutely join and anyone who wants to honestly you're you're at more than welcome you just got to talk to me and send me a message on facebook about it and i can add you but like it has just been a fun group to share gifts and memes and our own work and to encourage each other I love the fact that Ian comes in and says, I am just so weary of the world today. You know, I love the fact that he comes in and Eeyore's the situation and we can come in here. <laughs> we can come in there. Here, but that's hilarious but we can come but he's not usually that's the thing but he has his right. moments and we can come in there and say you know god is not only just god is in control but god is in control you stupid little boy wake up and he realizes like it's humor you know what i'm saying and we could kind of give mm -hmm. him a little a little head slap you know and have have fun with it and be like let's roll into battle into the fray 
And that's right. What, that's what that's what the brood is about. That's what poets of were is about. Man, we do way too much hiding of our weird uncles in our in our whole entire uh, uh, culture as Christians. And you know, I'm you all for just unique, yeah. But you also have to be the same as everybody else. Right. <laughs> That's what everyone says. You have to be whatever unicorn vomit is, is hot this week. Um, so, but it's, yeah, oh, it's, it's hilarious, man. It's hilarious. And the ways that God has the made disapprovingly at you. <laughs> culture. Well, it wouldn't be the first time, Sarah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, um, my, you know, the ways the ways that Ian and I are different are just as beautiful and amazing. Like we're talking about differences and uniqueness, but the ways yeah. Ian and I are even the same are just as glorious. You see yeah. what I'm saying? The ways that you and I are the same are just as glorious as the ways that we're different. And I think in a culture that is obsessed with a a at simultaneously obsessed with a globalizing uh, uh, homogeny, right? Mm -hmm. As they are with a, with unicorn difference and acceptance. Like they have no Trinity. They have no three and one. Mm -hmm. They don't. Yeah. No, it's definitely true. And, and being in the brood is such an amazing experience in a trinitarian way it really is mm-hmm. we are the many and we are the one we are the ones who not only saw what jrr tolkien and c.s lewis were doing in their stories but also went and that is so metal guitar solo <laughs> right like that's us that's us yeah in this whole real sense but then also we've got catholics we've got reformed presbyterians we've got whatever the heck ian is <laughs> ian wilson <laughs> you know <laughs> like we've got a little bit of everything right um we've got ian maffet yeah, over got, here doing this worship music we've got, somewhere do what We've got others in there too. Yeah, Ian Maffitt doing his worship music. We got you doing your your uh, your your logo Sophia stuff. We've got Stephanie with her piano stuff. I mean, that's so much going on, man. That's that's like the tip of the iceberg. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know it is, and it. Uh, I hesitate to change it anymore. I've tried to find like purpose and 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 and. Uh, attachment for it to certain projects and whatever else and it's just going to be its own thing and when we lose each other because facebook inevitably either collapses or becomes big brother uh the fact is like we're going to find each other and we're going to hold to each other you know yeah i don't have to put us on another platform because of the crazy oligarchs out there in there you know and i'm 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 joking yes. i'm joking when i say this uh sarah but in their lizard skins you know? <laughs> i just wanted this to be clear that i'm joking reason. when i said that but go ahead it is great reset but yeah go ahead no actually that's i'm saying reason but this is a great reason <laughs> this is going to sound weird but that's okay this is yeah. a great reason to send christmas cards because then you have people's addresses and you can contact them if the world falls apart there you go Only assuming that uh, you can either that either the mail will still work or GPSs will still work. Right, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll GPS to the most central location and bunker up there together. (laughs) 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 Oh boy! Yeah, like okay. Well, I don't have your phone number, but I'm gonna mail you a postcard with my phone number, and then you can contact me. (laughs) We will find a way to make this happen. The fact is. We're going to be searching at like whatever search engines are left. Your duck duck goes and then being like, oh, look, uh, here's another random search engine from China. Let's see if any of the names of the people that I remember are on there. And we're going to find right. them and be like, hey, <gasps> there's Ian Maffet, you know, and, and we'll be like, yes, <laughs> found you know, another. I know that name. <laughs> yep. And, and, and. God knows what he's doing through all that. You've heard me before with all my crazy post-millennial rants. Like, I'm Uh good, man. I'm the minstrel boy who's going to 
just strap yeah. the strap the harp over my shoulder and sing until they shoot me, you know? I so. feel like my situation is so unique mm-hmm. because I have the brood that does all this, but I have more than one group that does this. Right. Yes. And there like, are other I groups that do my, this. My game night group is there's a number of Catholics because originally it was a Catholic thing and then I expanded it and now it has all kinds of random people in it. And then I've got, and but we can still be real. Yeah. We can still be unmasked. Mm-hmm. We can still talk about the good, the true and the beautiful, the complicated and the simplistic. Right. And I could do this with other of my friend groups as well. And I feel like most people, if they have this at all, only have this in one group, but I can look around my entire life and kind of do a 360 and say, okay, I have this in this friend from work. I have this in the brood. I have this right. in my game. I have this in this other group over here. I have it in that group and I have it at home which so many people don't have. And this is a real example of what Paul speaks about when he talks about don't not, not just church, not just the Sunday worship service, but do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah. This really is the saints assembling, and I'm using that in the Protestant sense, I know, but you know what I'm saying. This is the saints. Yeah. You, can, you can understand my language. Anyway, but yeah. uh, th- th- this is the saints assembling in victorious garb to trade war stories. These are the, these are the poets at war, and we can work together to create all kinds of amazing things. You know, I told Ian recently, and we can wrap after this if you want. Um, but the, I, I told Ian recently, like, I'm never going to stop making stuff for you. Like, <laughs> even if you have to stop, I'm not going to stop. I don't want you to stop. And in fact, I, 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 I love it. And I'm not doing some kind of weird monkish thing where I'm like, just giving away stuff for free. No, you're absolutely worth everything that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. that's, that's the thing that is true biblical love working in each other's lives, sharing these war stories and drawing the inspiration that we need from them through our daily life. Well, he's not going <laughs> to let me put me, put him down. So we'll go ahead and wrap okay. like this. Horrible. We've been invaded. <laughs> we've been invaded by a, a baby, baby friend uh, here on poets at war. And we like being invaded by baby friends. They bring much needed emotional sustenance for us troops. So <laughs> anyway, um, did you want to plug your stuff before we, uh, before I do the little outro? Um, sure. Um, but before that, I want to note that, um, while I, whatever I'm listening to these, I totally sing along with the outro. Yes. <laughs> Like, Ed, sometimes I will sing along with the intro, even though it doesn't actually have words. It's just instrumental. Today, I'm poets at war. You do that part, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when the the song starts going off in the background, like, oh, I could sing along to this, even though it doesn't have words right now. It happens later. There you go. There you go. (laughs) But yeah, go ahead with what. So I'm okay with that. But yeah, um, I run Logo Sophia magazine. So we are um, a bunch of Christians just kind of doing like bridging the gaps between different Christian denominations is kind of our goal. And I will totally say that Poets at War is a big kind of a glimpse of what we're trying to do is build this community of Christians And the brood, again, is a glimpse of what we're trying to do is building this community of Christians that is comfortable with what they believe, with what other people believe, with that almost like we were saying earlier, that Trinitarian idea of we are um, we are unique in our persons, but we are still one. Yep. And so we publish um, four issues uh, every year one for each season we publish those online we will this is exciting um, we are currently working on putting the issues for each year together into an actual physical book Ooh. which will be on amazon i'm not sure if you've caught wind of that project yet no Joshua. but i'm excited that's that's uh, awesome but 
we are working on this. Um, Ian and I and Monica is currently uh, kind of re-editing everything. So we're excited for this. And mm -hmm. hopefully that'll be launched next month, the first one. Mm -hmm. We shall see. My life has been incredibly crazy. Ian's life has been crazy. Monica's life has been kind of crazy. So it's it's been a work in progress, but um, that's kind of the goal. We have um, audio versions as well on YouTube and on Spotify and every other version that you can think of because Joshua here has been doing that for us. And it's amazing. So um, yeah, we're always looking for readers and listeners, always looking for writers. If you know anybody who wants to write, Give them our, give them our uh, URL, give them our web address, logosophiamag.com. Come check us out. Yep. So uh, that's Sarah's info. Remember everybody, uh, be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left and God will be with you wherever you go. Let's join once again into the fray here on Poets at War. God of song, said the warrior bard, though all the world betray thee one sword, at least thy right shall guard one faithful heart shall pray.